0: Yeah, thank you. <coughs> I Was going to share a PowerPoint with you, but I think your re- your um your interview was excellent, um, nice. was Richard. Good. So uh, I think it really, you okay. know, we've covered most of it. We we re- we really have, yeah. So I'm just going to flip through quickly, honestly, because I think Carm Richard done an excellent job. That really. What is on here really covered, so London City Mission. Yeah, I told you a little bit about myself, so I'm, I'm going to fly, but I'm going to go past that. I will tell you that, you know, London, um, one in two people are unlikely to hear the good news in their lifetime, and that's because it's a multicultural um, community in there, you know. We have many diaspora groups, we have many people from the Middle East and other continents and places who have come over being based in other regions, so that makes up the numbers why we say one in two Um, and this is a tragedy you know and really London City Mission we want to see people we want to see Jesus Christ known in every community across London and as as well I'm sure that's the same thing down there and likewise I said it's working alongside you you see down the bottom there it's like um, 4.5 million people in London have not heard the good news of Jesus Christ and that is because they do not have a Christian family member or a Christian friend so roughly, it's about nine million people in London, nine million eight point five, and roughly half of them. So every two people you stop that sort the gospel, someone hasn't. They might say they're a Christian who the gospel, but it's probably the watered down or distorted gospel they've heard from the TV, maybe EastEnders or or someone that is not a Christian. But that is how bad it is. So therefore, you know, back to Matthew 28:16,10, which I'm glad to see the churches walking in that same verse. Um, The ministries we do, we just break it up and specialise it in five categories where estates and seniors, you know, many people grow up in um, council estates, you know, housing estates in London and families has been on there for many years, um, decades, and some of them are really mature now. So um, they may not get out as much as they used to. So we go there to see if we can befriend them, support them, encourage them, and as well as share the gospel. Likewise, again, on the estates in London, again, you know, you have know, people living there temporary, so they might be living there. For Three years, two years, six months or so, and they moved on. Sometimes they have their own subculture as well, and there's many different things happening on there. You've heard it in the news: drugs, crime, and so forth. So we go to see how we can make an impact on those things. Homeless and marginalised, you know, that's just epidemic in there. And I'm sure down there, you know, it's not consumed, it's not, it's not limited to, to London. I know it's globally. When I go outside, I seem to see it everywhere. Diaspora communities, people born outside of Great Britain, and you know. London has a big diaspora communities, Islam and other religions, and, and children, youth, and, and schools. Um, I Don't let me see. I'll just play a little touch of this. Just, just a little bit. Three million people on my own, but perhaps I could reach one. And if we could all reach one, the job's done. I don't want to be a big but I love this. Well, if I'm on the bus, I'll talk about it and try and glorify his name as many people as I can. So there we go. That That's uh... a. Really so that is basically London City Mission. We continue to do those things one person at a time and see God glorify Himself by bringing people on that path, that broad path to destruction, causing them to walk along the narrow path that few people find where they can receive eternal salvation. And um, as Ephesians 4 11 and 12, you know, so Christ Himself gave. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, teacher to equip his people for works of service. So, rightfully so, as I said, I am an evangelist, also a teacher, you know, and, um, you know, working with the churches, we work together with the gifts that God has given the body so we can just developed the vision of the church being a light in a community communities dark you know they 're walking in ignorance eyes blind and um uh, you know we are the sort of the earth so this is what we do you know, we seek ways within every church 's context how to reach that local community and Islington again you see you see a picture up there that 's a church that 's a church I partner with you know when the pastor he met the young youth farm um, Kai and um, he had some interactions with him but Kai eventually figured out oh, no you know um that's not for me so he asked me to help him with him so obviously we went back we saw Kai there was a little bond developed and you know now we're at a place where you know explaining things to Kai he's willing to sit down and look at the Bible to see normal people in the Bible like you and me and like Kai himself so we can hear that normal people meet with Jesus and their lives their life is transformed and um you know for the good so that's a wonderful venture that is going on right now and he's the has many old estates at the same time they have many new apartments you know being built and I'm sure just like here you know um new land is being sought after everywhere where developers are developers are just getting in there so um it's really hard for some people living within that environment you know they find that quite a little bit of a circle and some exciting stories of ministries there you know at the top that's that's someone you know that outside the church I met him and just invited him in and, and yeah he's there now and just journey with the church the one in the middle someone you know like working with the church again, he came into the church to have a conversation met him journeyed with him for a good few months eventually we started looking at the Bible likewise that extended to um, many more months then he eventually came church then eventually give his life to the Lord and he's still seeking and following the Lord in church now and below you know food bank service goes on with the churches we help them how do they, how do they share the gospel appropriately to their context where this church was doing a food bank you know we decided that we'd get a little um, microphone outside and just for four minutes we'd give them the gospel and plant seeds and and from that a young lady called Anna you know she proclaimed she's never heard the gospel knew that God thinks of her in that way and she's now in a nurture group with the church just journeying with them So, as I said there's some of the wonderful stories um we do ask you to get involved which we know you're involved and we really thank you for your prayer financial support towards us that's something London City Mission wishes to communicate to you we're so grateful even that you've offered and invited us to be with you today but you know we do ask you to continue pray even as you do that for your own congregation please as you partner with us um, financially if you can give whatever the Lord puts on your heart we'll be grateful for that the Lord has been faithful to London City Mission for 188 years that we've been continuing to share the gospel in an uncompromised way and likewise with all the prayers and the financial giving that allows us to go and make the impact that we do and um, you know we thank you that you know you're partners of that when we stand before the Lord you know we're all desiring to hear well done good and faithful servant." um you know richard has just prayed for me so i'll that. you know um yeah and as i said we can only share the gospel because of your support financially and prayer support and um being encouraged today about going and speaking to others about jesus i'm being encouraged when i saw what you do week to see you do door ministry and to see you praying and everything so um We have the same DNA, so that's just wonderful. I'm encouraged by that. I do have some cards at the back on the table there, please. You know... If the Lord puts it in anybody's heart, you know, we all seek, we have to raise 7000 pounds a year. So if the Lord puts it in your heart, please do take one of my cards there and sign up and quarterly. I would send you a prayer letter. But it's a it's a relationship, it's a friendship. So hopefully, when you do that, you know, I would communicate with you by email or even if you leave your number that we would talk, that it's not like a ghost just in the middle. So um, yes, yeah, the Lord speaks to you, do feel free there. And um Ideally, you know, Ephesians 2.10, you know, for we are God's workmanship, creating Christ to do God's works. So this is what we all seek to do, to glorify God. So um, thank you for listening that, to that, and um, we're going to go to look and listen to the sermon now that Richard has just read for us. Okay. Whoops. You can take it off the screen now. That's, that's that. Um, before I, before I um, start to go through this teaching, let me, let me just pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for um, this opportunity to meet with you this evening. Lord, I pray that your word that you've given me to preach, to teach, Lord, would be spoken in a way, Lord, that is led by you. I pray for your Holy Spirit just to guide me, to allow me to communicate, Lord, what you have been communicating, help us to see his context, help us to understand, Lord, what you are saying and, Lord, to see how that applies to us, how it speaks to us and how we walk in your life transforming truths. So, Lord, we ask for our spirit to be with us, lead us, open our ears, Lord. Lord, through what we are here today, help us to draw closer to you, to love you more than we loved you yesterday and to know you greater than we've known you before. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. One thing though, um, tomorrow I've got a little bit of time, so I'm answering a question to you. All. Where would you say is the best place? Torquay, Brixham, or Paynton? <laughs> I've got a bit of spare time tomorrow. Where, where's the best place? Brixham. Sorry? Torquay. 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 Any others? Okay. All about really good. Okay, and all of them's got beaches, right? Okay, well, okay. Well, I heard Brixham and Torquay, so maybe I'll start those. Where? Dartmoor as well, yeah. No, Dartmoor, <laughs> no, see, no. Okay, thanks for that. So we'll we'll have a look at that. And um, please, if you do have your Bibles, do do get your Bibles. So it's always good to follow God's words. So um, you know, when I'm speaking, maybe God might draw your attention to something that I'm talking about and speak to you personally in the midst of that. So you know, Richard just read for us um, Mark chapter twelve from verse um thirty-five all the way through to. Mark 1330. I just bring us up quickly to to where we're at before we get this. So you know chapter 9 Jesus travels from Capernaum with his disciples teaching them and then he left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan where crowds gathered with him and he taught them as was his usual custom that's what Jesus does from there on the road to Jerusalem they came to Jericho and you've all heard the story before about blind Bartimaeus he seized this opportunity as he heard Jesus was passing he shouted out Jesus you know son of David and um, you know the crowd tried to quiet him and told him to be silent but even more so he recognized and acknowledged who was passing by and you know he called out and within that he was you know restored to receive this sight you know so um it just goes to show we have a conviction and we know Jesus is in the midst. We trust in him no matter what other people say. May our convictions drive us to reach out to him that we know that he stops to listen, to hear his silent voice. Then from there we see Jesus and his disciples, they enter into Jerusalem in Mark eleven twenty seven. Jesus walks into the temple where the chief priests and the scribes and elders came to him. And they're asking him questions. They're asking Jesus by which authority are you talking, you know, are you preaching, by which authority, but instead of Jesus answering them, he turns it to them and asks them, you told me, right, by which authority is on the baptist, baptising him by man or God, um, they conferred with one another, but they didn't want to say by man, because the crowds would have, you know, the crowds would have been upset, because they acknowledge it was from God, so with that they said they don't know, so he said likewise the same, he's, he's not answering then he goes on into um he carries on and he speaks to he speaks to some of the scribes and parables and tells them about the tenants and they perceived that he was talking about them they got a bit upset because obviously it was about keeping the vineyard and you know where they didn't look after it, it talked about the van the servant where really jesus was talking about the kingdom it's been with israel and they've not served it with the, the prophets then from there he leaves them and um yeah, they sent some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to try and shrink him Marks in about a coin. Whose is it? You know, should they pay? But he says, pay Caesar what his and God what he sees. So we all reflect God's image. So therefore we give ourselves to the Lord. Now we come to Mark 12, 35 and 37. So we're going to look at what Jesus sees. Yeah, we, we, we look at this. We see what Jesus Deals with things and he Jesus sees. So we see in 35 to 37, right? Jesus talks to them, you know, he's teaching in the temple and he asks them, you know, why does a teacher say that the Messiah is the son of David? When David himself says by the Holy Spirit, the Lord said to the Lord said to the Lord, to my Lord, sit at my right and while I make your enemies. Will I place your enemies under your fit, feet So we see there That Jesus answers them a question Right Now this is a question that Jesus Had in private He already spoke with his disciples We know through the gospels Jesus already talked with his disciples We know with Peter you know, Who does men say I am Jesus, so Peter declared that he was the Christ, you know, flesh and blood didn't tell him, but God made that known to him. So we know his disciples, at least Peter, got that. So likewise, lies again within this question that Jesus is putting to the scribes, you know, who is the son of David? Jesus is right there in front of their eyes and they fail to recognize him. Though we can see in thirty-seven the crowd, the large crowd listened to him with delight. They listened to him to delight. Um, I believe, you know, this is this is something that Jesus provokes them to try and have a bigger view of their awaited Messiah, the Christ. They was awaiting their Messiah at that moment. They was looking for their King. What Jesus was saying possibly is their view too small of the Christ. Was their view of the Messiah too small? In what made were they expecting him? Just in physical sense, that he would come as the descendant of David, come as a king and overthrow the Roman Empire? Because their king, their Messiah, was right there with them. So as he rightfully asks them, how can David say that? But we know David said that by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So was this view too small of him? Now, is your view too small of Christ? That's a question I just want to pose there. But I want you to hold that question right now. I want you to hold that thought and we'll come back to it before we finish. Yeah, what I want to do is walk us through what happened next. And as I do, I want you to see what Jesus sees when he observes and looks. We just looked at Jesus answered. Now we will look at what Jesus saw. He saw through people. <coughs> Even saw into the future. So follow me through these verses to see what Jesus sees. Verse 38 to 40, Jesus sees through religious frauds. He talks about the religious leaders. He said, watch out for the teachers of the law. He's warning them, watch out for these teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honour at banquets. They also devour widows' houses and for a short make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. Jesus paints a vivid picture of religious experts today. Maybe today, you know, um, we might think of some bishops some pastors in some churches. You know, these scribes that we're reading, what Jesus told them to watch out for. They wore impressive long robes. They sat in the best seats and were esteemed and honoured because of their title, their status and their role. People were impressed hanging on every word that they spoke and they talked. It was the opposite with Jesus. He wasn't impressed. In fact, he was painfully blunt about them in verse 38. Beware of them. It's all they show they wrap up the praise of the people, but they oppress the poor and widows. And for a pretense, they make big prayers. Jesus told them they will receive greater condemnation. Now we know in 2 Timothy 2, 19, the Bible tells us, God knows those who are his, let's have no mistake about that. James chapter 3, verse 1 tells us, all teachers of God, Would be judged with greater strictness because they proclaim God's word and they do influence people, though we are responsible to study ourselves that we get to know God as He is a personal God. They're twisted. I mean, Jesus sees through them and He still sees through maybe the prosperity teachers of today. You know, those teachers who preach a gospel that would have people believe in, trusting Jesus is about acquiring wealth, status now on this earth. Name claim it, some, some preachers, telling their followers to give generously to receive blessings from God. You do have some preachers these days who twist scriptures to promise health and riches. Certainly someone gets rich out of these teachings. But it's not the people who give their money, it's the teachers often themselves. We see this globally in some ministries. <laughs> Jesus sees through the bishops and those who tell us we cannot follow the Bible anymore when it condemns immorality. They will talk about living in love and faith. Actually, it's unbelief cruelty. It's the opposite of love to distort what God has said And to affirm people in sin rather than warning them. Rather than offering forgiveness and the power of God to change. The power to be pure. Jesus sees through religious frauds. He sees through self-righteousness. He sees through showing off. That's a pretty uncomfortable truth. But Jesus sees through these things but the secondly but secondly jesus sees the ultimate sacrifice because as we look at verse 41 to verse 44 we see the narrative of the widows now now just picture this now jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched so imagine jesus is in the temple with his disciple and he sits down probably whether comfortable or not, but he sits in a place where it's not disturbing those who are coming into the temple to put their money in. He sees, you know, his disciples sees people come by and they put large amounts in, they put in out of their abundance. But there's this widow comes in, maybe unimpressive, you know, she puts in all that she has. But the wonderful thing is, Jesus sees his disciples may have thought, what did she put in? She put in more than all the others, Jesus says, verse 43. How much did she put in? Let's say maybe two fifty-pence pieces. That's minor, That's nothing. What does that buy? But that's very minimum. That's all she had for the day's meal. That day she would go hungry probably because she thought that God was worth it, that she sacrificed all that she had. She wanted to be a giver and that was all she had. No one else would have noticed it, as often no one does, but Jesus did. Jesus saw it and took notes, and that's why we have that here. Jesus sees the unseen sacrifice as he observed many rich people putting large sums of money, and this poor winner putting in in all she had because she believed God was worth all she had. The rich putting out of abundance while she putting out of her lack, and that got Jesus' attention. Jesus still sees the unseen sacrifices. And what an encouragement that is for us today. You may be an unimpressive Christian in your mind. Maybe not as fancy or, or doing like you may see some other people doing. You might, people might sometimes figure, you know, I'm in an unimpressive church because we're not doing what some other churches seems to be doing big bands and many people coming in and out the gate out the door you may feel you haven't very much to offer no one might even see what you do for the lord want you to do you know no one might even see what you do for the lord what what you absorb and if they did, people might be dismissive or patronizing towards you. But not God, not Jesus. Jesus sees unseen sacrifices. His eyes are just as keen today as they were that day in Jerusalem. Nothing which is ever done for him is ever wasted. No prayer, no service, no act of love, no criticism meekly accepted. Even if it seems it comes to nothing, Jesus sees the unseen sacrifices. On the flip side of that, we have a third point in Mark 13, verse 1 to 3. Jesus sees past impressive appearances. Now, you see, as they're coming out of the temple with his disciples, they talk about what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus. Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. The Jerusalem temple was one of the wonders of the world at its time. It must have been very impressive. Herod the Great expanded the second temple to about double the size of the Solomonic king Temple. We might get the same experience looking at the Shard in London. If anybody's seen the Shard, a wonderful, beautiful building in London that just stands out amongst the other buildings. And of course, we do have other buildings dotted up and down England, you know, which are also wonderful and beautiful. But Jesus sees, but sorry, but Jesus sees past impressive appearances as, impress, as impressive the temple was. Jesus said to his disciples in 13.2, Do you not see these great beads? Be- they will not be left here, one stone upon another that will be thrown down. The temple could be described like a massive say, oak tree that was rotting away outside, a massive oak tree, very strong in stature and big, but rotting away inside. And, and they will be left here, not one, sorry, They'll be left there not one stone. So I say like a very big oak tree. And, you know, ultimately we know God's judgment came upon the temple and uh, the temple was um, destructed. And and that's all because really the leaders, you know, they they misused their power. They didn't really lead in the right way. And also through the sacrificial system of the temple. It cannot, in any case, make sufficient atonement for the sinfulness of mankind. We know Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice that takes away the sins of mankind in the world. And also Titus, son of the Emperor Vaspian, led the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple in AD 66 and 7. And everything that Jesus said came to pass, meaning that the impressive temple building with this wonderful stone standing can we just imagine his disciples see all of that but Jesus says not one of these stones will be left standing that would have been really hard to probably imagine at the time but we know it came to pass it's like an impressive building right now that we would see I don't know you might have an impressive building around here and someone says not one of those stones will be left standing it's hard to comprehend but we know when Jesus speaks he speaks truth and it's the same today. We can be wowed by impressive things and appearances. Money, technology, sports heroes, celebrities, the great and the good. The influencers and many followers on social media, mega churches, and so on. What wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And they're not bad within itself. But if it gets your heart, then that is not good as Jesus should have our heart. But Jesus sees past these things. And he's not swayed by impressive appearances as we can often be. Jesus sees things as they really are. These people, he sees these people as they really are. <coughs> but even more striking is our fourth point. I just want to highlight. Have we look. Jesus sees what the future holds. That's um, Mark 13, 5 to 8, and verse 10. Jesus sees what others don't see, and clearly we just looked at. He knew that the temple would be torn down. Others didn't see that, but Jesus sees what others do not see. We see between 5 and 8. Jesus said to them, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumours of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen But the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation. And kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. And famines. These are the beginnings of the birth pangs. So the disciples presume. The fall of Jerusalem. To be at the end of the world. That's what they presume. Verse 4. But verse 5 we see. You know Jesus warns them. Let nobody lead you astray. And you know this does happen today there is new religions there's many different philosophies um there are compromising teachings in some churches um verse eight there's international conflict is still with us isn't it we still experience and we still will maybe not experience it but we're still airing about international conflicts um world war one war to end all wars so we expected but you know it, it didn't um there, there is still earthquakes in various places. Does this all sound familiar? I think the last notable earthquake I can remember was in Turkey a few months ago. So, you know, these things, what Jesus predicted, are still ongoing. These are things that, um, you know, Jesus has talked about. Then, um, yeah. And there are, there are but the beginning of birth pains, which is the metaphor for pains, describes the increase in frequency and duration of these things but we can be encouraged in verse 10. It says and the gospel must be first, and the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Was Jesus right when he said that? I can say yes he was because for the fact where longer than 2,000 years ago, he said that over 2,000 years ago, the fact where we all stand or sit in this building here today that shows a clear prediction what Jesus talked about he predicted that the gospel must be preached to all the nations Jesus knows what he's talking about that is why we are seated here right here today that is why you can see people in that video i showed you about london city mission where the gospel is still being preached that is why right here in painton the gospel is being preached when you go and knock doors when you see people in a community Jesus has established His church to be a witness, and He cannot lie, and and that is why I stand here today. I mean, most people in the church here right today—is it fair to say they've grown up within a Christian family? No. no. Wonderful, right? It's, it's always nice here. I like to meet a fella, a fella sister who was on the outside you know likewise myself so it's nice to see the dna of the church to see that you do 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 ministry i don't know your story sister but i'd be like to hear another time but likewise you know what I, I think um, you know the church you know, to grow up in a Christian family, that really is a privilege, you know, because you're growing up as, as a covenantal child of the Lord, though you do have to grow to a stage to acknowledge yourself that Jesus is your Lord. But it is a privileged place because you are grown up in a household where you can be taught the oracles and commandments of God. I wasn't born in that section. I wasn't born like that, you know. But at the same time, that's fine because we know we all equally, whether saved or unsaved, we all stand on the same platform before God as sinners. Every one of us stand on that same platform. We will all be judged on that. We're all sinners, but the grace of God allows us to know Jesus, so we're saved by his grace. And I live the wayward lifestyle, you know, but God, in his infinite grace and mercy, because of fellow brothers and sisters like yourself out in a community seeking ways that the Lord could use you along my path as the book of Corinthians. someone plants a seed someone waters it and in my prison cell at that appointed time the Lord made himself known to me so I feel like Paul in Romans 1 I am under obligation how can I not share about this wonderful Jesus Christ He's not just somebody we come and worship on a Sunday or have Bible study prayer meeting he's someone that we live our lives by because we believe in the christ we believe in the anointed one we believe in the yoke Breaker, the one who sets the captives free the one who opens the eyes of the blind he heals the hearts of the broken we believe in that so we live that out it's a lifestyle because christ lives within us and he will still transfer lives this very day we just need to trust that and speak, that's all we need to do, we can't save nobody, I can't save nobody, but I tell you what, I like being a farmer, I'll go out there and speak and talk about him and I will water the seeds that probably a parent has really told their child about or a friend has told someone about but they've gone on and they've not built it, so I don't mind going going across their path and, you know, just, um, watering that seed because i know what god's done to me you know god 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 is faithful and again we know in the book of john jesus says to his disciples you where you didn't sow so many times when you're out there you know um everything that you do is valued because sometimes you will often not see the harvest but when you get to heaven you probably will rejoice when you hear well done good and faithful servant you probably may realize someone's saying hey richard I remember when I was there, you stopped in my past and you told me this. You're thinking, oh, that one brief moment. But it is important, you know, to whom much is given, much is required. Jesus is our treasure. And I feel a great burden and conviction. Sorry, I'm not a burden. It's not a burden. It's a joy. I feel a great conviction to know to whom much is given. What God has given me, Jesus, that is, you know, that's so much. That is so much. How can I not share that with others? But so we know when Jesus says in verse 10, and the gospel must first be preached to all nations, we understand God is long-suffering and He's merciful. We know terrible things are happening globally in the world, but we know, as according to the Word of God, the gospel must be preached to all nations, every ethnic group and every nationality, in God's timing until He's ready. To call time, so we know Jesus predicted that, and that is an effect to this very day. So that is something that we can be encouraged by, and we know that Jesus is true. Well, the very first fact that we are here, as I said, is because of that, and um, yeah, that that is clues. And yet Jesus described these key characteristics and history. He talks about nation against nation. We see all of this unfold before our very eyes. Jesus sees what the future holds, and that too is deeply reassuring for followers of Jesus. We live in turbulent times, economically uncertain for some of us and many people, rates and charges all going up and changing. Internationally, we see volatile things happening, and yet God's kingdom rules over all. He holds the future. Jesus sees what his followers will face also. So um, Mark 13, verse 9 and 11 to 13. Jesus sees what his followers will face as it talks about how things will happen. Brother will be delivered over by brother to their father against his child and child against their parents and so forth. Jesus knows ahead of those, sorry, Jesus knows what's ahead of those who follow him. And he will continue to be with them. And it's the same as this very day. There's no difference. Jesus knows what is ahead of each and every one of us today. He acknowledges the oppositions, he acknowledges the challenges we may have. He also acknowledges the betrayals that some of us may feel and have experienced. Jesus tells them he will, by spirit, speak and bear witness so the one who endures to the end will be saved, as he said, when we're in trouble. The point is, Jesus sees what his followers will face, and that remains the case to this day for all those who follow Jesus and trust in him. So my question to you also, what will you face this week? This year? What lies ahead of you? Clearly we don't know. Don't know, but you know, um, you know, the assurance here, Jesus knows. So wherever we find ourselves, whatever happens, he will never leave you or forsake you. He already knew. Jesus knows, and it's not a passionate knowledge, it's a tender concern that he has for those who are his. Jesus sees and knows his followers, Jesus sees and knows what his followers will go through. But he will. Be there with us. He knows what we will need to get us through. The Holy Spirit gives us all the resources we need to escape trouble or to weather it in a way to see us through that trouble or that storm. Jesus holds out the prospect of a glorious end for us. He who endures till the end will be saved, praise God. Jesus sees what his followers will face. And so we have seen what Jesus saw. We see him looking at the religious leaders. He sees the frauds. We, what Jesus sees, we see that he's the older woman with the might. And with this in mind, so what doesn't Jesus see? He sees everything. What doesn't he see? Well, everything is exposed before our Lord and Saviour. Of all men and women upon the planet of earth, no other person sees like Jesus. He sees every pretence and fraud as we saw with the Pharisees in their long robes and so forth. No other eye sees every good thing. No matter how small he sees it, just like the widow and the mite, he sees everything. However easily overlooked that sometimes we may feel overlooked, so what we do is overlooked, Jesus sees it. No other eyes pierce the veil of the future. He does, he knows what is ahead of us. And so now, let me, bring, let me bring this question back to you. I mentioned to you earlier. It's just a question. Is your view of Jesus small? If you remember, as we talked about Jesus questioning the scribes, you know, how can David say, you know, uh, you know, Christ? It, it, how can he say that this is the son of David? And, you know, he was prompting them to open their eyes and widen their minds. So, what about you? What is your view of Jesus? Is he seen by you as the hearer of all things, through whom also he created the world? Hebrews 1, 2 and 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God, an axe imprint of his nature, and upholds the universe by the word of his power. Is your view of Jesus small? Too small? Is he just a great teacher, a prophet from God, the greatest man ever lived? Or is he something more? We have seen the evidence today. We've just looked through the book of Marks. We've seen the evidence. What Jesus sees. Every other man stays dead. But not this man. Because he is the son of God. The one who gives eternal life to all who believes and put their trust in him. We believe Jesus is fully man and fully. God. Jesus sees through the religious frauds. We need to see more clearly who he is we need to feel it more deeply we need to be gripped that's why we study scriptures faithfully to know our god who reveals himself to us through his word we are to encounter him hopefully on a daily basis to get a bigger picture and have bigger thoughts in him to be affirmed to know with him that all things are possible Whether we have family members, we have loved ones, as we mature in life, none of us are expendable as long as we are drawing breath and we're living. God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of His children who is living. We are never done until He calls us on to grace. So let us be encouraged. Jesus sees sees past impressive appearances. So may we not be woed by the things that fight for our attention and woes others around us. Jesus sees what the future holds, so we may not, we could be sitting here. We could have news that we're not sure about specific things. Jesus knows what the future holds and he loves us dearly to leave us alone that, that he would not do think about jesus talk with him and to him continue to pour out your hearts to the lord listen to him as you open your bible and quiet your heart ask for a bigger view of him it will never be too big and may he be pleased with our meditations as we focus on him let me pray Father God, God, we thank you for your word. Thank you that we've just seen in Mark. Lord, we see often through your word that we can be challenged in our thinking. We know, Lord, that we need your spirit to reveal your truth unto us. Lord, we ask all that we've heard today that you would meet with us personally and speak with us personally, Lord, to hear how you are speaking to us through this text. Lord, I thank you that you know you are not impressed by outward appearances. We already know in one Samuel's as, as um you know as as Samuel went to look to anoint David. We often at times can look on the outward appearance when you look on the heart. <coughs> Lord, help us to see you Lord help us to consider you Lord and 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 see things in the right light help us Lord that our attention does not get swayed by those things that look impressive and whatever you have your people doing here, I thank you for their faithfulness Lord I thank you for their labor I thank you their labor is not in vain I thank you for everything that they do Lord it has a purpose I thank you that you reward everything faithful that they've done in your name Lord, you see everything. You see us even when we feel we're insignificant. You see us, Lord, when we feel, Lord, that we're unnoticed and we feel that we're labouring away to serve you, Lord. You see everything, because we've just seen in this text. So may we be encouraged, Lord, and continue to be faithful, Lord, knowing that all that we do, we want to do it in a way that is pleasing unto you. And Lord, as we see about the temples, you proclaim what will happen. Lord, help us to... Rest in you, Lord, as we continue to walk with you. Help us really enjoy our walk with you, knowing that you already know everything, Lord. Help us to fall in line with you and to demonstrate our trust in you, Lord, that wherever we find ourselves, that we would continue, Lord, to sing your praise and we would continue, as your word says in 2 Peter, you have given us everything that pertain unto life and godliness, having escaped the corruption from this world. You have given us great and precious promises that we can be... Walk, we can walk with you in your divine calling. So, Lord, help us to hold on to these truths. Lord, bless this church, bless the leadership, bless the congregation, bless those who are not even here right now, Lord. Father, show yourself that your presence is here. Continue to meet with your people, continue to bless them, Lord. And may they continue to grow and love you and reflect your love to the community around them bless their door knocking Lord bless all that they do Lord for you I pray that you would show them a sign of encouragement Lord some form of fruit but at the same time Lord help them to remain faithful in Jesus name I pray amen